everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. So excited to bring you today's special bonus edition. That's right. Today, we're going to have uh, share a conversation that I had with John Ferguson and Matt Reynolds, two incredible leaders. Matt kind of facilitated this dialogue. It's an interview style. We did it on Facebook Live. And uh, I thought it would be worth sharing here because so much about leadership sometimes is about what to do in practical change situations like what we're in right now, right? Everything is changing. So uh, I hope you enjoy this conversation. If you do enjoy it, the best compliment you can give us is to rate and share the podcast wherever it is you listen to podcasts. We would love to continue to get the word out about the Reclamation Podcast and the incredible community of believers that we have walking together to bring good practices for faith and life. If you're new to Spirit and Truth, just uh, in a sentence or two, what is what are we all about? We're we're a ministry that um, just yearns to help awaken and equip the 21st century church to really catalyze a new movement of Christians who are empowered by the Spirit, rooted in the truth, and mobilized for the mission. And so we do hands-on stuff. We help local churches. We go to local churches and help them do discipleship, and we do evangelism training and get people more comfortable really being bold to share their faith. We also try to offer some resources and connect you with folks like this uh, so that the church can really be mobilized to live out the Great Commission. And so we're just an equipping ministry that's just trying to do anything we can to see people come to Jesus and see just really a revival in the 21st century of yeah. full-time Christianity. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. And so um, tonight uh, we want to just dive into a topic that is kind of as obvious and uh, relevant to the moment as it could get. <laughs> and uh, I can't possibly fathom there's anyone watching this who hasn't been affected in some way uh, by what's going on with the coronavirus. Right. I mean, it's yeah. like... I'm not sure I personally have ever been a part of something that was so sort of like there was widespread impact that it affects your life in some way, like everybody, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so um, I wanted to, to just yeah. to really kind of ask some questions of these two leaders. These are two guys that are leading, uh, you know, pretty large and growing churches through this really unique season. And um, I just thought it would be great for us all to learn together, to kind of process together, and maybe just learn from some of the wisdom that they're learning from being a part of this really crazy time. Mm -hmm. So um, how about before we jump into any specifics, let's pray, and and then we'll get going. Does that sound good? Sounds great. Okay. Uh, Lord, we just give you this time, and I thank you for uh, Tony and for John and for just the opportunity, even though it's um, in a virtual way, just to connect with lots of other folks and share um, just your discernment of what you're doing in this time and how we can more effectively lead and, uh, and be your church in a world that really needs the hope that only you can provide right now. And so we give this time to you. Just uh, do with it what you want. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'd also like to clarify that we did all sanitize, and uh, even though we're breaking the six feet rule right now, <laughs> I just got a text message from somebody that says, "Even Jesus said six feet, y'all." Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we're 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 clean. It's fine. We we washed. <laughs> it's good. Well, and also another note: if you have questions for these guys, uh, feel free. Hey, send them in on. The, I'll, I'll try to be watching the uh, 
the feed here. And if you've got questions, we'll just try to insert that throughout the, the conversation. Maybe you've got a comment. Maybe, I mean, they, they're probably going to only say things that are absolutely true. But in case they don't, you need to correct them. Just send Fair it enough. on the live stream. It's great. It's great. That's correct away. <laughs> just like at home. That's yeah, right. uh, perfect, perfect. <laughs> Okay, so guys, uh, maybe I thought it'd be fun first for you just to just to share a little bit what's on your heart right now. I mean, you're two pastors trying to shepherd a congregation in a time that's, I imagine, different than any time you've ever, since you've been a pastor. Um, could each of you just take a, a chance and just give us a little snapshot into what it's like, what this experience has been like the last couple of weeks for you? It's intense, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you made a comment earlier about uh, how what a day feels like, right? That I think you said like a day feels like a whole week or something like that. Uh, I might be. Yeah, no, that's exactly you. right. It's Thursday, and I feel like it's we've been at this for four weeks, and it's really only been four days. Yeah, yeah. The the intensity, and I know it's obviously not just us as pastors who feel that. I know that you know it right from where you're standing as well, and. I, th I think there's a lot of diversity in, in how our folks are experiencing this. You know, we have folks whose calendars have just been completely cleared by this. We have folks who are at home on quarantine because of this. And then we have folks that um, maybe kind of like our world that, that things have increased a lot uh, because of this. And trying to be pastor to everybody in that situation is, is it's interesting for sure. It's challenging. It's probably the most bizarre thing I've ever faced because in, in one hand, I'm incredibly busy with content and Zoom meetings and decisions about our buildings, which are now empty, which our buildings were never designed to be empty, yeah. and uh, financial decisions to be made and all of the things. And yet, on the other hand, um, all three of my kids are home. My wives are home. We're, we're watching movies every night together. We're playing wait, games. A, wait, just one second. I said wives. I didn't mean to. That was a, <laughs> this is a, clear. Is there I only have one wife. And There's she's, not multiple. She's wonderful. <laughs> she's wonderful. But this is what the corona will do to you. It'll make you say things that just without even like, so I'm sorry, Karen, uh, only one wife. But yeah, so like uh, we're living in the tension of, yeah. of kind of the, the weird season that we're in and the um, potential of what could be, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's been interesting, you know, even for us as a ministry, figuring out what this new normal looks like in this mm -hmm. season, you know, because the stuff that, uh, we normally spend our time doing, um, for example, like a week from now, we were supposed to be in North Carolina working mm. with the church um, and working with a whole group of leaders to help them go and share their faith in the community, offer to pray for people in the community. We had a whole leadership weekend planned, and obviously that's not going to happen right, right. now. Yeah. You know, and so yeah. we're trying to, to reimagine, God, what do you have us, what would you have us do in this time? And so, um, yeah, everybody's adjusting on the fly. Um, I, what a, what a, you, in particular in Dayton, there has been, this has been an interesting few years, you know, yeah. um, both of these guys are pastors right here in the greater Dayton area. And if you're not familiar with what's happened, you know, we've had a bunch of tornadoes that came through and caused a ton of damage. Um, we've had a terrible mass shooting in, in downtown Dayton mm. at the Oregon district. And um, and now this obviously is way beyond Dayton, but everybody's being affected here as well. And so in a short amount of time, I mean, people in this area have been through just a lot of stuff. And even if you weren't directly impacted by those things, there's just like a almost like a crisis fatigue almost, I feel mm. like. So 
throughout that whole series of events, what would you say, what, do you, what are some of the things that you have sensed God teaching you about leadership or what have you learned having to navigate all of that stuff as a leader? I think that for me, it's, it's a reminder of just how limited I am mm. and how desperately I need my team. Um, I mean, we always know that. Uh, that's, not, that's not new or surprising, but I think that awareness has been a lot higher uh, just because the, the, the needs are so multifaceted when you go through times like this. And uh, having uh, folks of diverse skill sets and, and uh, gifts is, is a blessing. And, and I don't know where I'd be without them, honestly. Right. That, that's kind of the first thing that pops into my mind. I, I think for me, one of the things that I've, I'm realizing is that I need to hold on to my expectations loosely mm. and my values tightly. Mm. Uh, because everything's changing uh, so quick. Like a, after the Oregon District shootings, like obviously that, that, that morning things needed to change. You know, the tornadoes. That yeah. morning, things needed to change. When we decided to cancel service uh, because of, of quarantine measures, right, then everything needs to change. And so, um, Karen Newhoff, a, a guy I follow, pastor, one of the things that he says is that we always have to figure out how to put the mission over the method. Mm -hmm. And so, I, I feel like as a leader, one of the primary roles that we serve are these vision carriers, these mission carriers, and making sure that how we carry the mission is not nearly as important as that the mission gets done, which for us is to go and, and make disciples. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think one way this one was different than the earlier ones uh, is the fact that in the other ones, folks, their natural response is they want to help. And, you know, we get folks lining up, what can I do? And, you know, for the tornado, we're organizing work days and uh, relief funds and all that kind of stuff. Uh, where with this one's tough because you say, well, you, you need to stay home. <laughs> you right. need to wash your hands, you know, these kinds of things that don't seem so heroic. And um, we, while we can direct people to donate to food pantries and that kind of stuff, that's been, there, there are tangible things. But this one's been a little harder to kind of get, get our um, congregation mobilized as quickly because by definition we can't mobilize uh, in, in the same ways. And, and I think, too, I think coping skills have become a big part of my my sermon dialogue, my mm -hmm. regular dialogue in pastoral counseling. Mm -hmm. I talk more about coping skills than I do ever before. And, and if you're not familiar with the term, like what's happened in our culture is that we've kind of normalized unhealthy coping skills. Like we make jokes about soccer moms and box wines or, you know, eating our feelings. I, I make that joke regularly. Mm -hmm. um, and it's one of those things where, hey, after multiple traumas over an extended period of time, we need some coping skills. Yeah. And, and prayer is part of that, but it's not the only part of that. Mm -hmm. We need something that also is, is physical and emotional. And then the spiritual part is naturally going to come easy for the church, which is you know where we should excel at, I hope. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, one of the things I've been thinking about, and, and you kind of alluded to this earlier, is although if things look different, uh, leaders in many respects, are getting bombarded with a lot of new things to do. Mm. And um, I feel like I see church leaders online and there's just people are really trying to figure out where do I put my time and, and energy and uh, how do I respond in this situation. And I was thinking about it today, you know, in some ways, you know, uh, like in some of the hospital settings you see, they're having to do triage now where they're like, 
having to decide what's the most urgent, who do we need to treat first. Um, I wonder if there's a kind of a part of a, the leadership process that requires some triage. And so as you face crisis as a leader and you're trying to navigate that with the church, what are some ways, I don't, I don't know if you have any ideas on this, but how, how do you triage leadership decisions to sort of figure out, okay, I have a hundred different things that I could do right now, um, areas that I could put energy. How do I figure out where to start, you know? And um, I think that may be helpful for other leaders to hear how you process setting those priorities in a time like this. I think, um, do you guys remember that Facebook viral story that went around for a long time about big rocks in a little container mm -hmm. and then you put in little rocks and then you put yeah. in the sand and then you put in the water and you know that it's that old professor joke. But I, I think, I think the reverse of that's probably true for triaging leadership decisions. So, um, like I, I want to start with the things that are going to impact the most amount of people, mm -hmm. right? So, uh, worship services, financial decisions, all of the things, like who's that gonna impact? Those are the big rocks. They need immediate attention because once you fill it up with water, you're not gonna be able to put big rocks in. Mm -hmm. So you've gotta put your big rocks in, decide what those are, work with your leadership team, don't make decisions in isolation. Um, you know, if you're in a church, you probably have a board. You and your board president should be talking on a pretty regular basis mm -hmm. during seasons like this. And then I think you take that all the way down to what Andy Stanley says, do for one what you wish you could do for all. Mm. So mm -hmm. fill up the rest of your time picking spots on who's the, like who's the person that you can call, who's the person that you can do a Zoom pastoral call for, or whatever the case is. I think that's kind of been my approach, and we're only four days in, really seven days in, if you count the beginning of, of last, or the end of last week. So I don't know if it's working yet, um, to be honest, mm -hmm. but it's, it's what I'm doing today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's well said. Yeah. I think, yeah, we've got to focus on those things. It's like in a medical situation, what's bleeding out, right? What mm -hmm. are the things that are um, just a immediate need that we are? And for me, a lot of those were just decisions that have to be made. You know, that usually we try to make decisions a little bit more democratically. Uh, but with this, we we had to. There were calls I just had to make about: Are we doing this? You know, are we having worship or are we not? We didn't call a meeting and that kind of those kind of things. We just said this is the direction we're heading. Um, not not because I believe I have all the answers, but just simply because of time, uh, we've got to we have, we have to do those. And there's certain things that I'm just I'm entrusted to do and expected to do that. Um, so we have to make those quickly. Uh, probably a second tier would definitely be uh, decisions that impact our leaders' ability to move, because we want to mm -hmm. give them as much freedom as possible to that they can know that that they're heading in the right direction. Like to keep them keeping the mission central, uh, but what's their kind of space to be able to do things? Because it's easy if we get into the mode where I'm making some calls about here's how it's going to be, uh, to where everybody says, okay, well we'll wait to hear what John says, and we can't be in that position very long, or we'll get virtually nothing done. So I think. Where I've succeeded this week, I've been able to empower the team to do that. And where I've struggled this week, I've been like the log jam, right? You know, the, the one right. who is thinking about, well, should we do this or that? And, and sometimes you have to make a decision and, and go with it. And if it's not right, correct it along the way. And I'm, I'm sure I don't always get that right. <laughs> if uh, my team would all be nodding their heads right now, I'm sure <laughs> if they're watching this. But, but. What's, what, what's one of the hardest uh, things that you've had to navigate so far? Like, you're like, you know... This is totally new. 
and I'm not sure how we're going to do this. What is that? I mean, what's that thing that you're still trying to figure out in this new Corona era, you know? Well, mine happened today. There was a, a 94-year-old member of my church family, Squire Davidson, who I love dearly, who passed away. Mm. And today I did a funeral for him and three other people. Mm-hmm. And it was the weirdest. Yeah. It was just we. I mean, like, um, I mean, I buried his wife five years ago. And so I know their family, like, you know, they're part of my church family. And, and it was just, and, and the question is, is like, I'm going to go into a room. I don't know how many people are going to come. It was just so, mm. it was just so weird. And then closing the office and not, I mean, the church has always been kind of an anchor and it feels like, it feels less solid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is, it's very challenging not to be able to be with people. Um, I don't, I don't know if, if others understand how much that means to us. You know, I mean, that, they see us coming to help, to help them or whatnot through a situation, but, but that's a deep part of who we are. It's not a thing in our day that we do just because we got to check it off of a list. And I was talking with someone this morning who's, uh, has a family member who's hospitalized in a really severe situation. And it was just, it was hard to not be able to just go there and be there. That, that was, that one surprised me, honestly, you know, that, there's the ones, the operational things of, you know, is the live stream set up ready? Are the microphones good? We spent tons of time and frustration on that stuff this week that those aren't really surprising. Um, you kind of expect that. But I think some of that, just just personally, I think some of that hit me. I mean, I'm already uh, mourning the loss of Easter mm-hmm. uh, as a community. Yeah. Like Easter, I, it's... It, it's... That's our day. It's the thing, you know? Yeah. Like, it, it's the... Yeah. You know, it's... It's a... Uh, it's every, you yeah. know, it's everything. And, and, uh, it feels like it's going to be so different. And, and I guess just giving myself permission to grieve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause we know that we're going to celebrate these things and that God's going to bring great things out of it. Right. You know, we, we don't doubt that at all, but I think that's well said that we need to have the moments, especially right now, just grieving some of these things together as, as a body and saying, yeah. but yet, we're looking for God to move in this. We're praying, we're yeah. expecting, we're, we're hopeful. But and, and make a plan all while realizing that any moment at any day, all of it could change. Yeah. yeah. Again. Yeah. Yeah, right. It's like, I'm going to do my very best to plan the best way I can to support as many people as possible, to love the community, and yet it could all go away. <laughs> yeah. Like, and it probably will. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. I had a, uh, someone submitted this question, and I think this would be good to follow in with some of what we've talked about. Well, first, somebody said, I just said, I miss hugs. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I, get, I understand that. Now, there's a few people among us who are like, praise God, I don't have to hug anybody. You know what I mean? The non-huggers. Uh, but, yeah, I do think that that just chance to be together. And yeah. I, you know... This is forcing a lot of churches to, to move into the virtual world. And, and I think that's a great, there's some good that's coming out of that. But there's nothing on a screen that's ever going to replace being with someone physically. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. well said. Um, so, okay, this person says, keeping the mission above the method as, as these uh, uncertain weeks unfold, how can you navigate through finances and large staff members uh, expecting and hoping for paychecks, job security, is, she says, is not an entitlement. Do you have conversations in advance with your leadership team 
uh, cut non-essential staff? Like, where do you begin in that heartache? And I think, I mean, she's just, that's, those are real kinds yeah. of tough stuff that leaders like yourselves have to navigate in times like this because, I mean, one of the things that I know all churches are thinking, and I would be, you know, not that long ago, I was in a very similar mm -hmm. spot to what you guys are doing yeah. in leading the church, you know, very similar, and uh, I would be thinking the same thing. Are people still going to give at the same rate? Very likely, you're at least going to lose some of the just general offering money that you get on a weekly basis. So mm -hmm. how do you prep for that? What do you, how do you navigate a staff team and all that? Any, any thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah, that's certainly something that we think about. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no questions asked. Uh, I know, I don't know how it is for you all. For us at Stillwater, we, last year, 65% of our giving came in in ways that were not online, and thus the offering plate, basically. And so that uh, that's certainly a scary thing, um, knowing that that's not not going to be there. We many of our many of our folks give uh, give electronically, give regularly, regardless. But you have a number of folks, I think, at least for us, who they, they treat giving uh, more like going to a restaurant. You know, if I go, I pay. If I don't, I don't. You know, versus right. I'm I'm giving of um, I'm giving of what God has given me, and I do it regardless of whether I'm at church. So, it is a concerning thing. We um, we met with our board on Tuesday, uh, just like Tony was saying. You got to be in touch with your key leaders at this time, and we we looked and said, okay, here's what our reserves are looking like, you know. And and thank God we have some. Uh, I think we both lead churches that that are not um, exceptionally right. <laughs> large, and we don't have endowments. We don't no. have these kind of things. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, um, uh, we, however, if you want to make an endowment, guess <laughs> that's true. We would start one. <laughs> We'd be yeah. willing to help. This is true. But, but so, but we looked at it and said, you know, in the immediate weeks here, um, thanks be to God, we've we have resources that we can lean into, and we're we're so thankful for that. I'm really thankful to have a board who has planned and prepared for this kind of things, these kind of things. Um, for us, I can speak to our staff structure is quite lean already, um, and so so while we aren't meeting here. Our staff is working every bit as hard, if at least as hard as always, uh, because now we're rebuilding things to to do in an online way, and we're thinking of new ways to reach folks uh, that that we hadn't before. So um, it, it's not that our staff have just gone home right. and are just sitting there. So uh, for us, the payroll doesn't really change because the work's still being done. Also around the building, we're doing capital repairs that we wouldn't have been able to do as easily with all of us here. So so we're continuing that work. And honestly, we're, we are trusting that God is going to bring in uh, the giving, that our folks will continue to be faithful. Um, and by the same token, we, we'll be wise and we'll, we'll watch that as, as this goes on. Yeah, and I, I'd echo a lot of that. I, I think in moments of crisis, it's impossible to over-communicate and be as transparent as possible every step of the way. You can um, you move as fast as the speed of trust. Uh, General McChrystal would say, right, in Team of Teams, he talks about this idea that the, the ability in which someone trusts you is the ability in which you can move forward. And so immediately, I would encourage all your leaders to be open-handed with your staff, your church family, and your leadership board about what you're doing financially. And if there's any levers that you can pull to be conservative, pull them. Mm -hmm. Now, luckily, God has given us such a season where we can reach out to people with technology that's virtually free. We, we use the YouVersion Bible app. Mm -hmm. um, we're doing a, a church-wide Bible study. We've got 68 people in it, and it costs mm -hmm. us nothing. Mm -hmm. right? So there are ways to do lots of really good ministry 
and not be uh, spending a lot of money. The other part is, is I think, I think it's okay to communicate in um, a, a vision of percentage giving. This is why this language is really important as stewards of the church. Uh, one of the things that we're really pushing is to challenge our church family to move to being a percentage giver. And so if you're hourly and your hours get cut, change um, the percentage still stays the same. The amount mm -hmm. goes down. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're salary and you're not a percentage giver, then the prayer and the hope is is that you can step into being a percentage giver and hopefully the, the difference will be made. Um, but as a leader and as we work remotely, which most of us for the first time, um, luckily at Restoration we've been working virtually for years. Yeah. Uh, and so like as leaders should be touching base with their staff teams every day because they need to hear from you. It's scary. And if you're not a voice that's pouring into them, then the fear, anxiety, all the other things will, will take up that space. So I, I, I say you can't over-communicate, talk to your leaders every day, and be as transparent as possible about the giving, about what the levers are, about what the plan is, and, uh, and pray. Yeah. I think it's essential, um, that communication with, with your board, your finance team, to make sure that you're all on the same page about this. And if you're not, you gotta get there quickly. Uh, because there were a few years ago here, uh, we would not have had the resources to be able to say, yeah, we can sustain this for a bit. You know, we would have had to make quick and immediate changes. And if that's where you are, then you gotta take the deep breath and you gotta do it. Uh, that's that's faithful leadership, and it's hard, but but if that's reality, if you have the resources to be able to uh, lean into for a bit, I think that's a really wise decision because then you can trust that God's going to work through this, and um, you can kind of set your metrics or your rip cords, if you will, as to you know if we get to this level, yeah. we're going to have to make these decisions. Uh, we haven't gotten to those kind of things yeah. yet. Thankfully, we're a week into this, um, uh, but. But I think that it's so essential for pastors and, and finance teams to be on the same page. Uh, this, is, this is the time for which you set aside money. And if you're a finance team member, a board member, um, I want you to hear that, that you got to have the courage to use some of those resources to continue to keep ministry going. Because while our giving will go down, the need for ministry is going up. And this is, the church exists for this. So we have to be courageous. So if at all possible, I would tap into some of those. Uh, but those decisions have to be made locally based on, you know, what reserves are like and what and, and honestly, you really need to make those decisions before you ever get to a place of crisis. Yeah. I, I mean, if, yeah. if this teaches us nothing, it's be prepared for moments like these, right? And, and um, fortunately, I mean, John was one of the people who advised me when we started getting our financial footing underneath us on how to proceed. He's one of the best. And one of the things he said is, is you know, you have to be prepared for rocky moments. And the, the church landscape is always changing, uh, especially in Methodism. And so... Being prepared for moments like these are, um, is, is a good practice. Yeah. One, one final thing. One of my staff members who's been with us six years, uh, she, we were talking about this, and she said, you know, in every of each of my six years, we've had some crisis or another around here. And this one is unique, of course, uh, but, but it's a good reminder that God has seen us through every single one of these, and we know that God's going to see us through this one as well. 
that doesn't mean that we avoid spreadsheets and facts. So we believe facts are our friends, and we're going to look at them, we're going to make plans. Facts are friends. <laughs> By the same token, we're not going to make our current bank account balance an idol and say that we cannot slip below this because this is reasons, these are the times for which we set this aside. Yeah. It's good. I mean, I think that's just great practical wisdom. And um, I loved, you know, a couple of things that you said that I think apply beyond the financial area about mm -hmm. just know, you know, that you can't have too much good communication. <laughs> just be honest with people. Um, you know, I'm, I'm navigating this in a different way right now. But, you know, I mentioned earlier we had to make the tough call like four hours before we we're supposed to have a conference with a couple hundred people from 15 states and people who had flown in from Arkansas and Oklahoma and all this stuff. Oh, it's heartbreaking. Like four yeah. hours before yeah. that's supposed to start, we have to pull the plug because the state, you know, th things were changing so rapidly um, that, you know, this, the state issued a ban on g gatherings over 100 people that afternoon we were supposed to kick off. John, you, I, you, <laughs> you joked with me, I think it was that, that day, you said, you know, uh, this this is hard, but you're never going to forget the time when uh, we tried to launch a conference right when a global pandemic broke out. Right. <laughs> I will never forget that, you know. And I mean, it was the night before the conference yeah. was when when the president is on the TV and things the the things really started to ramp up. And so that was hard for me. You know, when you pour yourself into something you're like, but I think one just going back to what you said. One of the things that uh, I tried to do throughout that kind of a, when you have to make a tough call, is I try to just be, just in all my communication to people, I just try to be as honest as I could mm -hmm. and say like, hey, this is the deal mm -hmm. and this is what we're doing. And I found that people really uh, responded to that and, um, and God blessed us through that. Like people were very kind and gracious mm -hmm. and people who had driven 12 hours in the car to be mm -hmm. here just to have to turn around we're not mad um, yeah. because we were just honest and and about how we had come to that decision and and how things were unfolding and so i think it's the same like in, in these kind of church decisions like we don't have to put on this like great face like hey everything's great perfect don't worry we've got it all you know like i think we can be hopeful but also just be transparent with yeah. people you know i was blessed to have a front row seat to y'all's decision on that, you know, being the board chair and the, the ministry director. And I was so impressed uh, by the way your your board functioned in that, that you had you were able to just give facts and talk about it. And and there was there was room for disagreement, which I think is essential on any healthy team. It wasn't just well, what does Matt want? We'll figure out how to say yes to that. Or what does Matt want? We'll figure out how to say no to that. It was people were clearly thinking this through and wrestling with it. And I thought just what I saw was a really healthy dialogue and it speaks a lot to just the, the culture of, of your board. I'm sure that may be something we talk more about that, that you're, when you go through a time like this, your culture sets the pace. Mm -hmm. uh, when, when you go through a crisis, it really just kind of turns up the volume on what you've got going on in your life already, right? As you know, just like in a family, right? Sure. If we're getting along pretty well and we have a crisis, we yeah. probably come in together. You know, if we're if we're in our family, we don't get along. We're always at odds. And we have a crisis, we're going to butt heads even harder. And I thought you all set a great example yeah. for that. Thanks. It's a, it just like. I mean, this is small potatoes and what a lot of other people are dealing with. You know, conference is just a conference. Um, you know, we had great expectations for what we want. We, we just sensed God was going to do through it. But in reality, we know people, people are facing much harder things than having to, to do that. And so 
I, but, I do think there's an important leadership lesson there. Um, if you're a leader out there, now is not the time to be alone. Mm, oh, right. right. Like now is, mm-hmm. I mean, like uh, one of the things that I admire about both these guys is that I know that they're connected to other people and I'm connected to other people and we're physically distant, but we're not socially absent. Mm, right. And, yeah. and so like this is this whole idea is that yeah. if you're making decisions in a silo, you're likely making the wrong decision. Mm. Yeah, that's right. So so bounce it off your people. Yeah. Um, use your coping mechanisms. Talk to your the, the people uh, if you're in, in a, a, a band. Right. Talk to your people. Check in on your people and um, and make sure that you're not being the hero because that won't last. Yeah, yeah. that's right. OK, let's flip it and let's let's talk a little bit more positively now. OK, because yeah. I, I know no. this is all like hard stuff. Doom but I, and gloom. Here we go. You know, I mean, I think it's good, though. We're just being honest about we're trying to just process together some of the stuff that, that we're all trying to figure out. And we're not sitting here thinking like we've got all the answers, any of this stuff figured out. We're just trying to share with you some some of what we've experienced. I mean, in, literally, in we're just making it up. We're throwing it against <laughs> yeah, the wall and seeing what true. sticks. Yeah, right? yeah, and, yeah. and that's, I mean, that's the, that's the exciting part. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, I, I'm glad you said that because it really is fun. And I don't mean to make light of, a, of an awful situation in our world. Uh, but as a leader, it's, it's fun to have the opportunity to swing the bat. <laughs> Uh, to be trusted by others, it's it's an honor and a gift. And don't be afraid to to lead, and and to even enjoy the steps that we take in in difficult times. You know, what's I, the most exci- new exciting thing that you're doing right now? We so for us, it's simple. But we went through a list of all of our folks and said, okay, who's how are they connected? Who's in the ministry area or a group? Um, and we want it, we um, are having that, making sure that group leader is checking in with them at least weekly. And then here's a whole bunch of people who are Stillwater folks who are not connected in anything. Mm-hmm. And so we're assigning a care pastor to groups of those and making sure that they're calling and following up. And honestly, that's the kind of thing we should have been doing already. Man, come on, like, that's so right. Uh, yeah, right? I mean, that's not like, you know, uh, that's just basic. Um, but it's amazing what how a crisis will push you to do something like that mm-hmm. that you need to do. So for us, I mean, that's that was today, but it's uh, it's exciting to think about how God can use that beyond this and that uh, there's a lot of hope in this. How about you? Oh, um, so I mentioned the YouVersion Bible app. That's yeah. super exciting because, I listen, true story, I can't get 68 people to a once-a-week Bible study, <laughs> let alone an everyday for 14-day Bible yeah. study. Mm-hmm. So that's that's like... Yeah. That's what I'm here for, right? That Get rocks. people in the word. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's I'm about that. So, and then uh, we're doing a similar thing. We we have a phone ministry team, mm-hmm. and so we're we're spinning up a phone ministry team where we're asking, um, we're going multi generational. Where we're asking families to check in with people who are over a certain age mm-hmm. or might otherwise be isolated. Mm. And yeah. so, uh, some ways technology is great, but in other ways, you just got to go back to like old Baptist roots. Yeah. <laughs> like, who can you call? And we're asking those people to call twice a week yeah. and check in on people and just say, hey, can I pray for you? And everybody's getting a little uncomfortable with it. And I, I love it. Yeah. Because yeah. it feels like growth. Yeah. yeah. Right? It Amen. feels like growth. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So let's take, take those, uh, those practical things you just talked about and let's, Let's blow that up even bigger and talk a little bit at a macro level for the mm-hmm. church. Okay, now I know it's it's kind of impossible to just predict, but I have the sense, this is just me, uh, 
let me be clear about something. I don't think God caused the coronavirus, mm. just to be very clear. Yeah, agreed. Right. I do not right. believe that. I think it's a, a, one of the symptoms, a result of being in a fallen world. Mm-hmm. We live in a, a world where even the fabric of creation and the chemicals of creation and all that stuff are broken, mm. right? So, but I do think that God can redeem anything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I I think if God can redeem, you know, something as terrible as a cross, he can redeem anything. Mm. And so I have a sense that God could use this in a tremendous way in the life of the larger church. Mm. What is what's your sense of that? And um, what are some ways that you, you could imagine a few months down the road when who knows? when that's going to be but when 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 people are returning back to to the church building physically and things are starting to try to get back to normal in ministry what are some ways that you could envision that this actually god may be starting to redeem this in the life of his people Hmm. i think it's a really there's there's probably a lot of them one that jumps to my mind right away is that busyness is such a a thing maybe an idol in our culture I mean, I know I'm guilty of it just as much as anybody else, so it's total hypocrisy for me to be pointing the finger at anyone else, but our our schedules and uh, whether from jobs and kids' sports and all this kind of stuff, uh, the two, um, it's so easy to just go from thing to thing to thing, and it can be such uh, a distractor from the spiritual life. You know, we can feel so so far off from those contemplative practices that we all need, that are life-sustaining, that we believe and we preach and all of this, and yet then you look at the calendar and say, oh my gosh, you know, and we've been given this, I guess we could call it a gift, of a lot of things being canceled uh, in in many of our lives. I know for us, um, of our three kids, two of them, their soccer season, gone. gone. Don't right. know about the third, but but that's going to be some serious hours. They're flirting we... with baseball season right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, from kids' sports to uh, other activities um, to just whether it's social things or whatever it may be, um, I think families are going to find themselves with a lot more time. And that is an incredible opportunity for God to use um, if we're willing to submit our hearts to Him and to say, God, how can we use this time to draw us closer to You? And of course, we yes, it's important to watch a movie with your kids and all this stuff. I'm not trying to, you know, uh, put any of that down. but But use this intentionally. I mean, imagine what God can do if we develop some new practices in, in our houses and some new rhythms uh, that may very well outlast this time. I think that's that's really exciting. I mean, I I don't know how else God could have, not, again, not that God used or caused this, but I don't know what else God could use to interrupt our busyness yeah. than literally forcing us all to stop. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I definitely think it's going to cause people to refocus on Jesus and less on the church. Mm. And I think that's a good thing. Mm. I also think there's going to be some massive pruning, mm. right? Just in general, I think churches will close. Mm. I, I think people will reevaluate their call to ministry. I, I think, and I think some of that pruning, while it will be painful, and we will mourn and grieve, and we will hold it, uh, and we will we will honor those feelings. I think out of that comes new growth, yeah, and new intentionality yeah. in the church, and new leadership in the church. And uh, and I, I, I'm I believe in revival is mm-hmm. I, I, on the on the doorstep that we're on the doorstep of revival right now and it's it's something like this could be exactly what we need mm-hmm. to create a, a less of a dependence on culture and a more dependence on God Amen. and it could just flip us right over the edge 
And, and I think the Holy Spirit will start popping up in ways because we, we all know that the financial ramifications of this yeah. are going to be huge for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's when we have nothing, we can finally let God be everything. Yeah. And I'm, I want that. Like, I want that for my own life, <laughs> right? I struggle with that control piece like most leaders yeah. do. And I, I want that so bad. I want that for my church. I want that for me. I want that for my kids and anyone else who's willing to surrender. And, and just a good way to give up control. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I loved what you guys said. And I, I mean, that's my sense of it, too, is yeah. that there is, I think I can just imagine and I can already start to see signs of it, how God is redeeming something that is terrible for a lot of people. Like, we don't want to just blow blow yeah, through the stuff true. like this i know this is ruining people's careers and jobs and you know like i mean i was i was literally texting with the guy with my barber earlier mm. you know just checking on him saying hey hey man are you doing okay i know your place got shut down can i hire you to come to my garage and cut my hair you know what i mean that kind of thing <laughs> yeah. and but no just checking on him and, and i know it's like messing with people's lives yeah. but i can also just see how god is going to take this time and I do think that there's an opportunity for people who haven't been willing to consider spiritual things. As they're at home and all this stuff is stripped away, there's something about just being at home and looking yourself mm. in the mirror when all that stuff is taken away and saying, what is my life really about? Mm. And I'm praying that God uses this time to draw people to himself. Yeah, amen. You know, like I, I think there are people who are going to come to Christ because of the realities that they're thinking about and facing right now, even just thinking about your own mortality. Yeah. You know, as you're seeing regular, I mean, when you're dealing with a news yeah. every single day where you're getting stats about how many people are dying, hmm. like you, you're forced to think about things that you do in your busyness of your normal life you don't have to think about. Yeah. yeah. And so um, that's hard stuff, but I think God's going to use it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and throughout history, I am encouraged when you look at history, Christian history, some of the times that the, the church has flourished the most and seen real sort of surge is in the face of really hard stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. how Christians have responded in the midst of things like the plague are some of the times where the church has grown the most mm. because of how peculiar uh, their response is mm. because of Jesus. I love that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I love what you said about revival too. That we're praying for that exact same thing. That we believe that God can use this even as a catalyst for revival. That there's there's something about being apart from each other as a church that I think that coming back together is there's it's it's going to be exciting. You know, we've been talking about that. What's that first Sunday going to be like? You know, Man. this first Sunday. I just I, I've envisioned we're just going to blow the doors off yeah. of every church. Like yeah. our, people are going to be in the lobbies waiting to hear the word because they just yeah. miss communal worship. Yeah. I mean, my wife and I dated long distance for a few years in college. You know, we'd see each other maybe every month or so, you know, yeah. and uh, yeah. man, those times together were just amazing, you know, yeah. because that distance makes the heart grow fonder, right? You know, and, and I think that on a deeper level with the church, I think that I, community worship is just assumed for us. I mean, you know, in my 40 years thus mm-hmm. far, I've never been able to, or never not been able to go gather with God's God's people every weekend. You know, yeah. that this is the first time in my life, and I think that I'm just excited to do it again. You know, yeah. and I think that God's going to raise the level of that. Amen. All right, just I just have like two more questions, and then we're going to kind of wrap up our time here. Um, the first one is this: uh, 
and this is just to bring some balance to some of the things, to the new things we've talked about offering, because uh, one of the things, so this is half question, half me on the soapbox, okay? <laughs> <laughs> okay, just to be transparent, like I we love talked it. about. I love it. Uh, I've seen, uh, I'm friends with tons of pastors because of, oh, I'm sorry about that. You know, <laughs> this, my lot in life, okay? But, uh, uh, on you know, and on social media, I I'm just seeing like ramped up to the max of like we're gonna have this this and this this you know three things on Monday, four things on Tuesday. I'm gonna have we're gonna have these 18 new live streams. You know what I mean? It's like there's some of that where it seems like it's almost been like we've got to like fill up. We got to show people we're still doing stuff. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? And, uh, <laughs> still relevant. Still relevant. <laughs> yeah. It's like I, there is a serious temptation towards codependency as a yeah. pastor. You know. And so, um, how do you navigate? Okay, because there's a unique opportunity right now. Right. But we also we don't want to just take if if busyness is one of the th- issues mm-hmm. in America and especially in Christianity, we don't want to just swap one kind of business for another kind of busyness mm-hmm. and encourage people to be on screens, you know, 20 hours a day. So how do you navigate, like, how much is enough for our churches in this season, for the next two or three months, or however long we have to do this? How do you decide what's enough and how much, how do you navigate trying to empower people, not just to rely on content we create, but to use this time to, to nurture disciplines themselves and that kind of stuff? So I think there's an important clarification there because... Um, content is not the same as community. Mm-hmm. And churches create a lot of content, like a sermon, that's not the same as disciple-making. Mm-hmm. And so we can still use technology to bridge community, which is a lot different than just creating content and putting content out. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so for me, the difference is we Facebook Live our worship like everyone is figuring out how to do. <laughs> and then, But we also are starting zoom groups for mm-hmm. intentional small groups mm-hmm. and we're going to just meet in private zoom meetings mm-hmm. and try to build real community um so i you know currently i i try to tithe my week in disciple making relationships so i, I try we're to talking give about before this stuff. before right, this stuff yeah, yeah. right mm-hmm. and um and my challenge to myself currently is to continue to do that so to find four hours a week where i can pull a, a pull aside the guys that I'm discipling and meet with them either on the phone, FaceTime or Zoom and still tithe my week in intentional disciple making and community building and helping people follow Jesus. And so I, I think it, it's, it's probably the same balance it was before with less meetings in person. Yeah, mm. that's probably good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, good. With, um, with social media, we decided to take a couple days of the week uh, we just decided this today. I think it's Monday and Friday, but I don't remember. It is Monday and Friday. Thank I heard, you. I heard your announcement on Facebook Live. <laughs> Glad somebody knows what They're we're doing They're going to do here. intentional Sabbath. Stillwater's doing intentional Sabbath. Um, I thought it was genius yeah. on Monday and Friday because it's a planned rhythm. Yeah. Well, I'm really blessed to have some great contemplatives on our staff who uh, you know, saw that the, the potential danger of us just putting out live content every day. Um, I'm sure there'll still be other little things that go out that'll, uh, you know, I don't know, this, that, or the other they put on there. But yeah, th- that was just one thing that we did um, trying to, to model that as well. Yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah, I think that's a, that, that's a really practical way to say don't, don't just 
sit on a screen and listen to to this stuff all the time and and even i, I would encourage people i've i've been tempted towards this just getting sucked into press conference after press conference <laughs> after news story dr you know. amy at, comes on at two o'clock every yeah. single day for the state of ohio yeah. i love her she's doing a great job yeah. i'm just like it's two o'clock we got to watch the governor's press conference yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know but we, we we tried our first prayer meeting over zoom mm. uh, we had 12 people there mm. yeah, um yeah, and it was awkward yeah. it was awkward I, I i mean people left saying they felt filled up i left feeling like it was awful <laughs> so I, I called my people and said, hey, was it awful or was that just me? And they said, it's just you, relax. And, <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not, like, it's not going to be, yeah. it's, I, you know, I don't, I don't know what it's going to be. I've never yeah. done it before. Yeah. 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 There's things that, certain rhythms that we do differently now that, that feel different. Yeah. You know, there's something about when you're used to being physically present, it just feels a little different. And that's, that's okay. But we'll, we'll learn. And, and there again, we'll be even more excited to have those, real live prayer meetings again soon. Yeah. Okay, let's let's wrap up with this. And um, we've been talking a lot about leadership stuff and navigating this from a church, you know, even behind the scenes of the church and all this kind of stuff. Let's switch hats for a minute and just talk about as a spiritual shepherd, uh, what would you say? I, I know there's a lot of folks watching who are not necessarily pastors or thinking about all the things that we talked about so far. What, what would you just say as a spiritual leader at this time, in this unique moment, what kind of encouragement would you offer to, to people or what, what things should they be thinking about right now? Hmm. So, this is an opportunity. We're not going to be the same having gone through this. You know, when uh, in any relationship, when you go through a crisis together, uh, it's either going to pull you closer or, or push you farther apart. And let this be an opportunity to draw closer to God. It would be really easy right now just to let anxiety uh, lead to addiction, right? Because, you know, we get anxious, that's fear, and addiction takes us back to things that are, that are fun for us. And it'd be really easy to live in those kind of two extremes now. But I believe strongly that God wants to meet us in the midst of this. God's, we have extra time now, perhaps, uh, or at very least, the usual things that seem solid in our minds aren't so solid. And... Um, Walk in that, in, in your prayer life, in your conversations with your band or with, with other folks that you're close to. Um, be willing to be open and vulnerable with each other and, and consider that, that maybe, just maybe, God may be drawing you closer to himself during this time. It's, um, we, don't, we don't have to be a people who have the same level of fear when we watch the news and all of these kinds of things because, because I believe that God is very strongly drawing us close. Yeah, I think I would probably echo that. Um, I was deployed from 2004 to 2005, mm -hmm. and that's probably the closest feeling I have to now. Mm -hmm. We were trapped on a base 90% of the time. Wow. Very restricted, very, but also very boring, right? It was a lot of work, and also there was nothing to do for fun. Um, and now, 15 plus years removed from that, what I can tell you is those relationships are some of the deepest, most heartfelt relationships that I've ever experienced. Mm. And that is a gift that God is giving us right now. And so if, if you've lost your connection with your spouse, go reconnect. Mm. Amen. If yeah. you've lost connection with your kids, wow. go yeah. reconnect. Yeah. Uh, if you've lost connection with your 
your mom and dad who maybe you're not going to be able to see, mm. be intentional and reconnect. And, mm. and this can be an incredible time of relationship building because you don't have any other excuses. And so intimacy in the midst of this crisis is a beautiful gift and, and I believe can be really used uh, to help you grow closer to God. Amen. You know, one, uh, one last thing I'll just tack on to that that I've just been thinking about recently, and, and this is, ties in with a, a lot of what our ministry is about, but I also want to encourage you that this isn't a time uh, to think that you don't have an opportunity to be a witness. Mm. Like, this is actually a time, even though you can't physically be around other people, this is a time for outreach and for evangelism and uh, to, to put on full display for the world the authenticity of what we say we believe, Amen. which Amen. that our Amen. ultimate hope isn't even in this world. Mm-hmm. And how we live and the stuff we say on social media and the phone calls that we make at this time, I think could have eternal impact mm-hmm. in the life of other people. And so um, let's be who God has called us to be uh, because this is a time where people are looking for answers and for hope. And we know where to point them. Amen. 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 Well said, Matt. Well, thank you uh, guys for for being a part of this conversation. I'm sure, uh, like I have been, that many of you have been blessed by just learning from the wisdom of these two guys and um, I respect them so much. Thank you for the way that you're leading your communities um, and your churches in this time. We're so grateful for how God is using you. So, Hey, and if you're out there and you need help, uh, call us. Like, yeah. for real. Amen. Yeah. Like, call Spirit and Truth. Call Matt. Get a hold of us. Uh, yeah. DM us. Whatever. We could set up a Zoom call. Uh, I'm sure myself, John, Matt, any of us yeah. are willing to help. Yeah. Uh, it's super easy right now um, to try something new. And if you need someone to, to help give you a kick, uh, I, you know, us three, we're really good at it. So uh, we'd love to help start, empower, embolden your next ministry. Amen. Amen. Yeah, and uh, if you're new to Spirit and Truth, uh, you know, I'd encourage you to check out our website, spiritandtruth.life, L-I-F-E, um, and learn more about this vision that God has given us to see renewal in the church. Um, you know, we're just, we're one catalyst, but we believe that God's called us for such a time as this. Mm-hmm. And so ch- check out what God is doing. There's a lot of different resources available there. Also, next week, uh, we're going to be doing these kind of sessions, different topics, but with key leaders uh, for for the foreseeable future for a number of weeks at least. I know next week we're planning uh, a session uh, with Dr. David Watson, who's an incredible guy. And so watch for more details. That'll be coming probably next Thursday night. And so uh, watch our social media for that. And we've got Dr. Madeline Henders scheduled for the week after that. There's, there's just a lot of cool stuff coming. So uh, stay, stay in touch with our Facebook page and other stuff uh, so, so that you can learn about those opportunities. Uh, well, let's just, uh, let's just send you out with prayer. Is that okay? Right. You want to close us in yeah, prayer, John? Yeah, absolutely. Lord, we need you. We always know cognitively Mm. that we need you, Mm. but we feel it differently today. Mm. God, as leaders, we need you. We confess that we often act like we've got it all together, and and Lord, we we know that we don't. Lord, I pray that you would just increase our dependency on you. I pray that you would help us 
uh, to seek you and to find you with our whole hearts. God, I thank you that you have truly called us um, to lead at this time. Um, Lord, we pray for those out there who are, who are, especially leaders who are struggling right now, who are maybe timid or um, struggling to know what the right next step is. God, I just pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would just strengthen them, mm-hmm. help them to be able to take that next, uh, right next step closer to you, to lead their churches closer to you. God, we give you our churches, we give you our family, we give you our nation and our world. We thank you that you are God, and we put ourselves into your hands. It's in Jesus' powerful name that we pray. Amen. 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 All right, thanks, guys. We'll see you. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the podcast today. I hope you enjoyed this bonus conversation full of practical leadership with Matt Reynolds and John Ferguson. Both of the leaders mean so much to me, and I know they have a ton to offer the local church. Hey, as always, the best compliment you can give us is to rate and share the podcast wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. So Overcast is what I use, but iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen, the more ratings, the easier it is for people to find us. And of course, the best thing to do would be to uh, tell a friend about the podcast. And let's see if we can continue to spread the word about what it means to share good practices for faith and life.